It's quite amazing. Ask not what your voice can do for you. Yeah, we heard an intro. Welcome, welcome to the Haas Boys. My name is Max. I'm your host for today, and I got Mike sitting across from me. What's up? Nothing. Not a whole lot for me. Oh, okay. But in terms of us, yes, we got some stuff that's up. We do. The person that is missing from the table is Parker. Yeah. He's not on my left. He's not on your left. But we got big news about Parker. Yeah. And why he's not here this week. Yeah. He kind of, he got into some things. Yeah. I mean, he you know helped more us about out. This. The la- well, he helped us out a lot for the last episode. Right. On the journalism from PBS. Right. That was a smear campaign against Haas. Correct. And Parker broke the whole story wide open. Right. He called blew it out open. the guy. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Parker took it upon himself. He is now on his way towards Ukraine slash Russia on his way to further destroy PBS's story against us. It's a, a mission against PBS, not Russia. Right, right. <laughs> Ukraine is handling that mission. Yeah, okay. So Parker's mission is solely PBS. <laughs> solely PBS. I just want to make sure that I'm getting Going that Going against correct. the public broadcasting system. <laughs> That seems like a strong Digging, battle to be getting won. more evidence. Yeah. Um, yeah, really going to bat for Haas. Yeah. For the Haas boys. Cool. Um, I think we wanted to get that Pulitzer. Yeah. Know? I mean, it seems like the next step, like natural next step for us. Can podcasts get Pulitzer prizes? Uh, Ask Otmar. And, and does a podcast that throws crack use allegations <laughs> at Op- Marshoff an hour and raps over Lewis's ex DNA track. <laughs> We're not sure. Are we eligible for Pulitzers? Look, we have never <laughs> had anyone deny that those rumors. It's true. Were true or false. Parker's probably going to be doing some investigation on that too. Yeah. Honestly, I'm, going into some pretty sketchy areas. Right. Talking to sketchy people. Yeah. PBS in general. PBS. So we'll see what he can dig up. Yeah. He'll hopefully. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what he comes back stuff. <laughs> Super interesting. Yeah. So oh, Godspeed to Parker. Yes. We hope you come back safely. We will be awaiting a report. Awaiting a report. Yes. But that aside, lots more to talk about. So much Because to we're talk going about. to be diving into the Australian Grand Prix. Right. That we all just witnessed. Basically Fury Road. Yeah. <laughs> It really was. It was just the fifth installment in the Mad Max saga. Which is so appropriate because it was in Australia. <laughs> it was Australia, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, going into all that happened because it was a lot of fun. And then we have a fan email that asks us a few oh, good nice. questions that we want to cover and that could take a few minutes. So Looking forward to it. That is the basic structure of today's podcast. So right. Let's just dive right in. Okay. With the Australian Grand Prix. Struth is what you wrote on the board. Yeah. Struth. I, <laughs> uh, let's just kick it off talking about Nico Hulkenberg. I mean, it's definitely the biggest upset the of the Haas, weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, he's, you said it, we watched it together at my house and because we both lived in Australia and we're like, right. why are we watching this? We can actually watch it live. Right. And not. Max provided some dim sum and it was, it was, some it was a good Aussie time. barbecue, brown sauce. Yes. It was great. And Nico Hulkenberg, you said it, he's just. He is proving that he is a world crash driver driving for Haas. Right. And it's incredible. It's insane. Also, on top of it, like, all weekend, 
he was showing up. Yeah. During qualifying sessions, he was top four in Q1 and Q2. It was crushing it. It was absolutely destroying everyone's expectations. Mm-hmm. When it came to Q3, I think we all knew that that was going to be a little bit more of a long shot. Mm-hmm. But still, I couldn't believe how much he was hanging with the Aston Martin and the Mercedes and and you know somewhat Red Bull. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, unbelievable effort from Hulk in qualifying. We get to the race, and he crushed it. I mean, he had a great strategy, actually. Mm-hmm. He was doing a, uh, a great job. Haas did a great job. Yeah. They got a little hosed with the red flag and Kevin, mm-hmm. which was a real bummer. Kevin went from being 13th to last. And he just struggled at the back there. Yeah, and they really had to fight through a lot to get mm-hmm. closer to the front. He kind of crept up a bit. He did. He, he was fighting back. Yeah, I think he got all the way up to 13th again. Yeah. Um, until he had, a, had those brim <laughs> broke hitting the wall. I think it was the wall's fault. I think it's. I think it stepped out of line. <laughs> uh, there was like a a marshal. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. just kind of like pushed a bullard out, just yeah. like two more inches. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's like we're gonna go ahead and make this race a little bit more interesting. He's like the FIA called down. We need to get a little bit more red flags going. Yeah. Mike Michael <laughs> Massey says he doesn't like the way this is. This is shaping ben up. Michael Massey just walking around the track, just like. Kicking out bullards. Yeah, he heard what Ted Kravitz said about him, and so he was looking out for an opportunity to... And that wheel just exploded right off. It was wild. Yeah. I mean, just real quickly, it's it's Nico Hulkenberg and K-Mag. We thought going into this season that it would kind of be reversed, with K-Mag up in like the five, six, seventh positions fighting every week, and Hulkenberg learning the bits of the car, how it functions, and then like slowly creeping up the field, and then... Nah, he's crushing it. No, I mean, third race and just showing up. Yeah, he's a great driver. Awesome. And, and then... Really killing it. K-Mag with the red flag, then the restart, and Holcomber gets up to fourth. The, and then science with the penalty. Yeah. He's on a podium. He was literally there. <laughs> he's going to break his curse. And you guys have heard us say it. Yeah. Nico is the most unlucky driver so unlucky. in Formula One. He was literally on the step uh-huh. of the podium. It was all written in the stars. But Formula One has the weirdest rule that if they don't complete a sector after the restart, then they just reset the order. Uh, yeah, it was I'm the never worst. Even, it's just so dumb. And it's, it's just like the FIA reached out with his like long, dark arm and grabbed Hulkenberg and brought it back into the depths. <laughs> <laughs> He's been Klein himself from the back. Literally just... And they uh, are fighting to keep him back there, He, but he won't give up. Uh, and, uh, what a disappointing finish in that way, and then it ended up finishing behind the safety car anyway. Yeah. Which further made Carlos's penalty even more ridiculous. Dude, he went back far. And... I don't blame him. He was so mad. So Carlos Sainz got a penalty, and I forget what for. For crashing into Fernando, who finished third because of the reset order. Wow. Which means that they basically froze it in time as if that never happened. The mm-hmm. only casualties were the two Alpines. Crazy. And oh, so crazy. by giving Carlos yeah. Sainz a five-second penalty at the end of the race, mm-hmm. finishing behind a safety car, mm-hmm. meant that he went from fourth Jeez. to last. He got gutted, too. Yeah. That was his Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And so... What did we get? Like six points out of it? We did. Yes. Haas? Six points. Six, six points? Yeah. Constructor awesome. and driver. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a little disappointed to say that McLaren had a huge uh, jump in the points. And it was really funny because like, I guess like after the race, Lando was like, yeah, all that, all that hard work is paying off. But it's like, what? 
What hard You're work? like attrition, a game of attrition. <laughs> you guys didn't do anything. Yeah. You were just lucky to be around still. Well, they they were very different than their last place efforts. Definitely. It was like Zach's like, oh, we're going the other way, team. Yeah. <laughs> Moving up. <laughs> Or down. I told you to go backwards last time. We got to turn the cars around and go this way. This is the way. Very night and day difference from McLaren. But eight cars <laughs> crashed out of this race, right? Right. S- Charles was the first. Charles got spun out uh, by Stroll. And he didn't even hit a wall. Yeah. He just got stuck in the beach. Yeah. That first turn is a, it's a real beach. That, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's deep. Shoot. So he ended up backwards in the gravel, not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. Right. And who was next on the chopping block? I feel like it took a while before yeah. something happened again. No. Oh, Albon. Was it Albon that got out? Alex Alex Albon had a spin. Remember, he was like going into the corner and it just oh, broke yeah. loose. Yep. And then just blasted the car. Yeah. And that was a top 10 gone, which was a bummer because Albon had a great weekend. He was doing really good. Yeah, so definitely disappointing for Williams. Uh-huh. But, uh, but yeah, he was next. And then third was George Russell. George Russell had a... Uh, <laughs> Dude, he had a close call with death. Yeah. It was close. <laughs> He got out of that car like Roman Grosjean escaping a flaming ball of fire. He was just, he got out of the car and he was like, where's the marshal? Pull me out in slow motion. I would have loved if he was like, someone, I need an ambulance. If we can just get it just in case. And then you can show me on the camera, guys. You can show me on the cameras. I'm okay. I'm, I'm walking away I'm, safely. I'm, I've emerged. Oh, he's such a nerd. I, I now know what it's like to be like the phoenix I would love and then at the end of every like red flag when they're all like all the drivers come back they all get out of their car and they're milling around the paddock and George is like hobnobbing with each of them he's like did you know that I barely escaped with my life out there <laughs> he's just talking to Lewis hey Lewis did you know that I almost died he's just got gauze around his knee for some reason like and they're a, like what is a weird world war one like head bandage <laughs> Just, I, have, I have it hurts just just in case toto toto did you know that i almost died but i'm staying strong it's okay i can still wear the sunglasses toto <laughs> i can still wear them oh uh he was yeah i'm glad he escaped fighting for his life Whew. it was a close call very close call <laughs> yeah I'm for glad sure he's alive <laughs> so glad he's still alive oh. <laughs> If he wasn't alive, Mick would be driving. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, let's say I would. I would be happy. I'd be. I'd be excited to see Mick. It'd be and so sad if George died, though. Mick and Merck. It would be. It would. It would be. But Mick would be great. <laughs> but be it'd be great. good. It'd be good to see Mick. It'd be good to see Mick and Merck. Then who was next on the chopping block of the crashing out? Gosh, I want to say that it was like. Was it just that restart? I think it was Kevin. Oh yeah, it was Kevin. And then uh, Kevin's tire spawned a lot of chaos. (laughs) A lot of chaos. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And yeah, and then both Alpines smashed into each other, which was... That was nuts. You know, and I got to say, everyone was really giving the Alpine team a lot of crap about having Pierre and Esteban as teammates with kind of a long history of not great blood of growing up in the same region and carting Mm. together and getting all the way to F1. And it was... Mm -hmm a different fight for each driver. Yeah. But they really proved it this weekend that they're being mature. Pierre didn't know Esteban was there, took both of them out mm. as he was kind of not a lot of room for error when they crashed into each other. Yeah. And uh, Pierre apologized to Esteban and Esteban just was like, look, it was a mistake. It was an accident. Nobody, you know, you couldn't see me there. It's no big deal. Yeah. And so kudos to them. 
I mean, it's hard. The car's you, still ugly, but kudos to them. Yeah, you go back and watch <laughs> some of those. Uh, yeah, the pink BWT thing is pretty bad. I love that Esteban escaped it, and then it just followed, it followed him. him. Yeah, <laughs> with Otmar. Yeah, yeah, it was like a chronic disease that he thought he cured. Now it's back. Yeah, it's back <laughs> in full force. <laughs> he, um, you watch some of those replays. And I'm amazed that anyone makes it out of some of those corners from the restarts. Because sometimes they're like four cars wide. I know. And if you're sitting in that cockpit, like it's so hard to understand cars around you and spatially where you're at, right. who is closest to you and how far ahead you are. Right. That's, it's, it's amazing that they can do that, that the, skill, that the skill is there and that they understand how they are sitting on the track. Totally. I also just remembered Logan Sargent rear-ended Nick DeVries. Oh, yeah. And punted him out of the race. Nick was out. And uh, that was a bit of a bummer. Also, you know, just as a question to you, I mean, we haven't really talked a lot about Logan Sargent. You you know, we talked about how... I forget. I forget he exists. He's the American driver. I feel like we're doing a bad job of... Yeah. Supporting him because he drives for Williams a little. Right, yeah. But also I have this, like... It's just this little unnerving feeling around him. It just is scared. It just it just seems <laughs> like the first American driver in a long time's last mm-hmm. name is Sergeant. It's very American. It seems a little on the nose. Yeah, he's <laughs> backed, most of the world. He's backed by big big military budgets. <laughs> he's got the Pentagon. There's a investigating. There's like a subliminal messaging <laughs> going behind Logan Sergeant. It kind of feels that way, <laughs> and for me. It seems a little bit very action hero-y. Yeah, like I he needs ha- a thicker neck than he has. I could have an action hero figure named the Flat Top Logan Sargent. Yeah, he's another GI Joe for sure. Yeah, for sure. Did we did we talk about or did I hear that maybe Logan Sargent that Formula One is kind of being mean to Logan Sargent in a way that to make Americans look like they aren't fit for the sport? Interesting. Is that? I I mean I'm, I have I heard that somewhere else in the ether of Formula One rumors maybe that like his poor performance or the fact that he's on Williams or something but he's not a he's not being a bad driver no. he's actually doing decent no I mean he had a good yeah. battle with Lando yeah I mean he didn't crash into anybody that yeah. weekend <laughs> maybe people are thinking that like if if um they only let in a bad American driver put him on a bad team then it's proof that Americans don't belong as drivers in the sport yeah maybe there's a little bit of truth because they didn't in let in who's the other guy. Colton Herta. Colton Herta. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. He's and he would have gone to Red Bull or to AlphaTauri, mm. which would have been where DeVries is. Yeah. DeVries. Excuse would me. Do you think Colton Herta is better than Logan Zargin? Ah, uh, that's a tricky one. Yeah. I mean, they both competed in different capacities. Right. Uh, but uh, Colton didn't go through Formula Two and Logan and did. Formula Three, and that's what got Logan to mm. F one. Yeah. And uh, Logan has shown a lot of. Uh, Small glimpses of brilliance, which oh, yeah. is why he kind of ended up in F1. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I, I <laughs> another good thing about the Australian Grand Prix, and we, you died because, and you brought it to my attention. It was the the freaking cool down rooms. Oh gosh, it's my favorite. This was one of the most awkward we've had. It was bad. It was <laughs> like, yeah, there's three world champions. But two of them. It, start, it started. It started with Lewis's post race interview. Yeah, he's like, "It's great that uh, two world champions or uh, uh, three, I bet three. Like he <laughs> just hates Max. It's just totally wrote it off. <laughs> I like expected Max to not hear it. <laughs> like oh, and then they're in the cool down room. Yeah, and Fernando and Lewis, they're they've they've moved on. Yeah, they're the, buds now. Yeah, and they're and they're they're chit chatting. Max comes in the room and. 
just walks to the other side. Yeah. And is like looking away from them. Yeah, just Just like silence. putting on his cap, like <laughs> ignoring them. I think he turned at one point and said something. I don't remember what it was. It was probably like, oh, it's crazy. That race start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then just like uh, back. He went and sat in his chair. Charles in the rocks. Yeah. Charles, rocks. Yeah. And then nothing. Shame. Because Lewis doesn't want to talk to him. <laughs> no, Max doesn't want to talk to either of them. Yeah. Because it's only him on the grid, according to him. Right. So I can give credit to Lewis for one thing, and we've said it this season, is that Lewis is a very gracious loser and winner. Right. And he doesn't act like that. At least I don't see him I doing f- that. I feel like for the most part, he and Max don't communicate. Mm-hmm. And I think for, for a good reason. Uh-huh. And I do think that there is some camaraderie between Alonzo and Lewis right now to kind of be like, hey, former world champions and we're neither of us are in the best car anymore. Yeah. And there's just kind of this like, we get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max is sort of like on the uptick of where Lewis was on this mm-hmm. seems of like we can never catch them. Yeah. Trajectory. You yeah. Know? And so that I feel like they're both kind of accepting. Well, I guess we're battling for second in the uh-huh. championship, but I feel yeah. like they've definitely grown more comfortable. But man, I swear, I don't think I've seen Lewis and Max talk. No. Or interact. They did like give each other a little handshake at the end of the race. Yeah. Like, but they still have helmets on. They're not talking. Yeah. Like, yeah, good job. All right. Mm -hmm. And you know what's my favorite thing about the helmets? Just as another side note here, but you and I were both talking about this. But the helmet size these days is just huge. Yes. (laughs) And especially on like a person like Lewis and Fernando, who are Mm -hmm. these very small bodied humans. Mm -hmm. They just look like bobbleheads. Yeah. They look like little (laughs) kids that just got out of their their go kart. They're like tromping around through the paddock. And for people like George Russell, it makes them look so tall. Yeah. (laughs) It does look huge. It's just like they've put on a whole like marshmallow head on top of their shoulders. (laughs) Yeah. Ocon and and Russell look like lollipopping around. Freaking enormous. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a good look. And then for the little short guys, they're just little kids. Yeah. They're just like, oh, it's a good race, guys. Thanks. (laughs) It's so goofy when they're still wearing their helmets and they like jump over the fence into their crew because it's just like, (laughs) daddy, (laughs) catch me. (laughs) So anyways, but uh, all in all, what a race. What a race. It was insane. We were losing our minds. And for those of you who aren't local here to where we are, it was 2.30 in the morning when the race was over. Yeah. And uh, we were making quite the racket. Yeah. Yeah, we were like 10-year-olds again, like <laughs> for sure. up late, on yeah. a sleepover, and everything punching. is funny. Yeah, super But everything punching. was funny. But it was funny. Yeah. It was very enjoyable. Because, yeah, making fun of George is always the best. <laughs> I mean, it was another thing I'd know, and I, every time we watched a lap with Sergio Perez, he was, every time he overtook someone, it was on the same corner. Yeah, it was like turn 11. Yeah. Which is that chicane-ish kind of like really high yeah. speed left, right? And you 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 mentioned right off the bat, like that's a hard turn to pass. Right. And he was doing it every time. Every time. It shows the advantage of the Red Bull, even mm-hmm. with the car ahead having DRS right now. Mm. And actually is an interesting point. Yeah. Something that happens, and this is something that uh, I feel like we could dive a little deeper into in the future. Yeah. But just to kind of gloss the surface today, in Formula One, one of the biggest things that you do as a team principal is you kind of gamify your politicism within the FIA. That's a lot of big words. Yes. Yeah, so you're trying to win favor with the FIA 
to sort of create investigations around things because you're starting to notice that your competition is either catching up mm-hmm. or that they're, the competition is far ahead of you and something's amiss. Yeah. So some examples of that are Mercedes said, there's something about Ferrari on the straightaways. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have that much horsepower. Why are they that fast? Yeah. What did I say? No, I. this is such a dumb tangent. It's so dumb. What? There's something about Ferrari. And I was like, oh, there's something about Mary. That's such a dumb thing. But in something about Mary, there's all these guys that are just like weirdly attracted to Mary. Right. Why are so many people weirdly attracted to Ferrari? There is, is something about Ferrari. There is something about Ferrari. And they suck. We should, they do. And we should make a <laughs> short film. So sorry to go off on that tangent, but there is something about Ferrari. Yes, there is something about Ferrari. But Toto Wolf, he was like, what is going on mm-hmm. at Ferrari? They're going so much faster than us on the straightaways. We have to investigate. Mm-hmm. And the FIA investigated. Sure enough, they found that they were cheating in the engine. Mm. And so they made Ferrari scale right. back the power by eliminating some of their technology. You might as well make these accusations. Right. Because it's likely that you're going to find some rule bending yeah. if you're smart enough to accuse somebody. Mm-hmm. And so Ferrari was caught red-handed because you're looking at somebody who's just bending the rules, making things work in their favor. Yeah. And so Ferrari and Red Bull were never successful at this with Mercedes. The only time that they were ever able to get Mercedes to be taken back a little bit Mm -hmm. was with DAS, the dual-axis suspension, which is our dual-axis steering. Yeah. With the pulling and pushing the steering wheel to change the toe and camber. It was the only thing they ever got them caught on. And then the other one, I guess, would be the party mode, which was Mm -hmm. the engine maps that they were running during qualifying. Yeah. All things that we could talk about a little deeper in the future. But I'm starting to hear some murmurs that Red Bull might be investigated for their car because at the moment, George Russell, at least. Yeah. (laughs) is making accusations that he believes that Red Bull is seven-tenths of a second faster than any other car on the grid right now, which is... Yeah, it's like, sorry, George. It's like, that's a lot, but also... Maybe it's because you suck at driving, Lewis George. was seven minutes faster. Yeah, yeah, it's like... Four years ago. You're just... Yeah, it's the same game. <laughs> it's just from game. the other side of the fence. Exactly, and it's funny to hear Mercedes making these claims, yes, right? yeah. But that does put an interesting spin on the current situation Mm -hmm. because what we could be faced with is that ah, they might find something in Red Bull's car that's cheating. It's like the gas pedal goes down further. (laughs) This one goes up to 11. Exactly. (laughs) The cars. What if they tuned all their dials to 11? (laughs) And when the FI came to look at their car, they're like, oh, everything goes to 11? It's only allowed to go to 10. (laughs) It's a breaking, a very clear rule. It's written. Gosh. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's interesting. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us at Haas yeah. and the rest of the grid, I mean, I kind of hope that they find something that they can slow them down with. Mm-hmm. But uh, a mid-season regulation is a pretty unlikely thing. So yeah. they'd have to find something that's actually cheating to slow yeah. them down. Mercedes seemed to show up a bit more this week. It's a big step. Yeah. I feel like they can be a team that you count on to be improving rapidly. Right. And like when we do our summer break, they might come back really strong. Totally. But I also see Red Bull just holding back right now. Max kept that 10-second buffer at the front pretty evenly the whole race. As soon as anyone started to gain on him, it seemed like he could just dial it up a little bit. He pushes his pedal down a little more. (laughs) It just goes to 11. A little little, little more. (laughs) 11. One thing I did say, and like as a new-ish kind of watcher of the sport, and I'm starting to learn more nuances. So if you're like new, 
you might be like picking up on things like I am. One thing I did notice, so Lewis was in second and Alonzo was in third and Sainz was in fourth. And Lewis was trying to keep a more than one second buffer between him and Alonzo. Alonzo was trying to manage his tires, but not fall too far behind Lewis, but keep a bigger than one second buffer between him and Carlos Sainz. Right. And it was interesting as Carlos Sainz pushes himself in further into that mix, Alonso needs to adjust. So he starts to drive harder and faster, and but he's wearing out his tires. Right. And they want to last to the end of the race. Totally. And he's pushing harder. So he's eventually pushing into Lewis and it all like compounds all up to the top of the grid where right. they're like, oh, we're all racing now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Before they were all like happy in these little pockets. <laughs> totally. Um, it was just an interesting like little strategy dynamic I saw for myself thinking like, oh yeah, Alonzo was trying to save tires, but push. Lewis was trying to save tires, but he's on the mic. He's saying, bone on my tires. Uh, they're not going to make it. <laughs> and he went the whole race. Right. It's like he's lying because he wants Alonzo to think that. Yeah, that the he should burn his tires at yeah. trying to catch him. It's just crazy. Right. Um, but fun to see that that happen and start to have the pressure be applied up to the top. And so it's good. It's good that I'm learning more of the nuances. No, it's totally that way. I, th- I you know, I'm, I'm trying to even think of a parallel of something mm-hmm. that kind of becomes this game of a little bit of cat and mouse. In the case of Alonzo, I definitely think that he was trying to push Lewis into a mistake. Mm-hmm. Lewis was doing his typical poker face of... Yeah. There's no way these tires go to the end, Bono. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. Yeah, we hadn't seen that for a little bit. Yeah, I'm like, it's, it's like, suddenly, <laughs> and, and, and why is it that he runs out of water? Yeah. And he's in a Sahara desert or something, yeah. and he's like, his tires are going bad. Oh, Bono, oh, I need a canteen. <laughs> My tires are going bad. Uh, tell you, it was the Mad Max world. It was. I mean, I guess I can't blame him. <laughs> There's a lot of dust being kicked up. He probably got it all over in his mouth. I, you know, it was funny. It was the, that Three Amigos scene. At the end of the race, Nico broke down and he jumped out of his car. He just walked. And he was covered in dust. Yeah. He was, the black <laughs> race suit is on his face. And I like, at one point, because of the Albon crash, mm-hmm. Hulk was smashed with gravel mm-hmm. because it was flung off of Albon's car as he yeah. was going past. And so he got rained on with a bunch of That's rocks. That's so sketch. Yeah, so yeah. painful if it hits anything like a finger or anything yeah. like that. And then you have these big air intakes. Right. There's gravel bits flying into the engines of your car. Yeah. Ooh, that's sketchy. Yeah, especially with a very fragile oh, wow. and lightweight radiator. Yeah. You know? It's fun to start seeing these little tiny strategies taking place on the track of like tire management and trying to keep buffers and trying to close buffers and then like overtaking. And then it's interesting that in Formula One, going back to like tying into what you said about like team principals trying to like call out other teams to the FIA for regulations. These strategies and manipulations and games are happening on the track, in the garage, in the media, right. in the FIA. Like in, it's in individual marriages. It's happening everywhere. I yeah. mean it is it is war on every playing Christian field. Christian is still conflicted with between Ginger and Max. Right. He's not sure. <laughs> uh, do I run the risk of losing my West Highland Terrier? He's like now that Daniel Ricardo's back. Max Man, Daniel Ricciardo was the show of the weekend. I mean, of course he was. Yeah. I, I, it's like almost, it, it's like Piastri, I, like, here's Name the it. here's the major <laughs> disadvantage of being the wet blanket that is Oscar Piastri. Yes. Is that, like, he has the absolute hardest job in the world. Uh-huh. He's following, he's following ACDC. Uh-huh. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be following ACDC. Yeah. Like, no one ever did. What's his name? Uh- <laughs> I'm serious. It's Oscar Piastri? Yeah. Wow. There it was. <laughs> because the, the, 46 the three names deep. that came up first were like, Logan Sargent. No, he's American. Uh, Pat Award. I'm like, no, I don't know where he's coming from. 
<laughs> IndyCar. Um, but yeah, so Oscar Piastri, he's like taking a bite of flour. Like, a f- like you want something to eat? Just take a scoop of flour and shove it in your mouth. Yeah. Whereas Daniel Ricciardo is just like, he's just a bag of sprinkles and ice cream. Yeah, he's, I mean, <laughs> he's Vegemite on a burger with beetroot and a fried egg. Yeah, you know, he's, he's the whole package. He's the whole package of, a, of what you anticipate an Australian to be. And you see people in the stands with Daniel Ricardo, big heads. Like, yeah. He's not even driving. The dude's not on track. <laughs> Where's the Oscar Piastri one? The best was when the George Russell crashed out. And before the race, was there's like this like 50-year-old woman with a big George Russell cutout, yeah. like fangirling hard ah, for George yeah. Russell. Then it cut to her after he was out, and she's just like deadpan. Just, where's my giant? Is he alive? <laughs> So good. Oh, uh, gosh. But yeah, Daniel was, I, I think one of my favorite things from the weekend was Pierre walking out on yeah. stage with Daniel's face. <laughs> they were like, introducing the Alpine drivers, Esteban Ocana, Pierre Gasly. They come walking out and freaking Esteban's waving and Pierre's just a giant Daniel head. <laughs> That'll get the crowd going. And they were screaming and yeah. he was so, and he moved it. He was like, ah. Gets the crowd know? going. Yeah. There's no way he's staying out of the sport. No way. Yeah. And especially even with what Christian and Zach got after each other this weekend. That was weekend, amazing. Yeah. Uh, which was a topic that I'm surprised we haven't brought up yet. Well, it happened this weekend. Yeah, it did. It happened this we weekend. We talked about eight people crushing out of the race. Yeah, I mean, there was and a Hulkenberg lot. Hulkenberg almost getting on a podium. <laughs> Haas so was much crushing of, it. There's one Yeah, it was race, a great race. And it so was insane. We can get back to the uh, Christian and Zach thing. Right. So I guess in a press conference, uh, I'll let you paraphrase it, but essentially they got at each other. Well, at least Christian yeah, and Zach digs. didn't say much. Yeah. Yeah, Christian <laughs> is just, uh, Christian is so ballsy. He is. And he is not afraid of conflict. Not at all. Um, but I think an interviewer asked both of them, or I was you know, asking Christian, they were both sitting there, is Daniel Ricardo ready to go should one of your drivers not be able to drive? Right. And he's like, yeah, I think he's 10 minutes away. Right. And saying, I guess, like, yeah, he's almost like 99% there. Like, And then he said, he came from McLaren. He... Was he was like skinny? looking malnourished. He was looking yeah. really skinny. I don't know. And he's like, I don't know what you guys were doing to him. Right. He pointed to Zach. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he also came with some really bad driving habits that he picked up that we need to like, you know, work out. But other than that, he's ready to go. He's we got him fed. He's looking healthy. Just yeah, like, just taking stabs. Zach's just looking straight ahead. It's interesting that malnourished would be a comment that you'd make towards Zach Brown. <laughs> <laughs> it's just every every McLaren dinner. It yeah. was the foods just all around Zach yeah. and Daniels just on their side. Like, can I can I have some more? He's like, score some points and you'll get a hamburger. <laughs> hey, here's a here's a tomato here's a tomato sauce package you caught in your country. Enjoy one of those. You get one meal for every point you get, Danny. Can't believe I let you drive my Earnhardt car. Lando didn't score either. We love Lando. <laughs> Lando, here's another. <laughs> have another. So oh. amazing. But so, yeah, it, it's it, nice. very interesting. I'm excited to hear that Christian has such good things to report about Daniel. He is looking actually healthier. a lot more like himself. Yeah, for he sure. looks fit. He does look like he did when he left Red Bull. And I mean, I have this kind of like half theory that maybe the reason Christian was making a dig at like Daniel's weight uh-huh. is that like, is it McLaren's philosophy that like the drivers need to weigh the same? Because their car yeah. is made for one weight, one body, one Lando. Yeah, and it might have been might have been Lando. Yeah, we'll, we'll like go Daniel, ahead and assume you that. need to equal one Lando. <laughs> right. Yeah. Stop. Ed. No more sushi. Only <laughs> chicken nuggets. Like, what the hell does Lando eat? <laughs> yeah, bologna, peanut butter, bread, <laughs> whatever. Not even a sandwich. Eats. Just a peanut butter on bread. <laughs> Without the crust. Yeah. And half Zach, a boiled egg. My, my peanut butter sandwich has crusts on it. Oh, didn't you tell Daniel? <laughs> It's just the most posh kid. 
<laughs> so just, did you tell him? Everyone thinks he's a gamer, but they don't know that that's how Zach, he is behind the scenes. Zach, oh, Daniel's not eating the crust. You know I don't like cream in my <laughs> tea. Yeah, sushi. Yeah, sushi. This is peanut butter bread territory. We went from the most posh to the weirdest like California boy. Valley boy. <laughs> They're so close. It's They're a very thin similar. line. Yeah, it is. Thin line. Very thin. Very, both probably super rich. Buckingham, Newport Beach. Same. <laughs> Same territory. The whole sound, uh. uh. <laughs> you know there's money behind it. Uh. You don't know what country it is They yet. both drive Range Rovers. <laughs> They're very similar places. Very similar. <laughs> it's an it's a interesting conversation. And yeah. it's interesting to think about Daniel. For sure. All right. Well, shifting gears, we had a wonderful fan wrote into us. This is from Nicholas. He's emailed in before. I think he mentions that. I'm just going to read his email. Yeah, go ahead. So first off, Thanks for emailing us, Nicholas. Thank you, Nicholas, we for writing in again. We love to hear from the fans, so yeah. please. Appreciate you. If you're listening, you. want to send in a question, comment, anything, send it in. DosHaasBoys at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Instagram. We're yeah. like Haas.Boys on Instagram. And we love a good voice memo. Should well, you have the capabilities. Yeah, you want to shout out yourself? Do throw it. a voice memo and we will throw it on the air. Okay, so here's from Nicholas. Long time listener, second or third time questioning. It's true. Yeah. We've had some from him before. He's a king. Like many, I was turned into an F1 fan thanks to Drive to Survive. And thanks to that, it was a gateway to get me hooked on IndyCar. It's cool. true. It yeah. opens the world of motorsport up. For sure. So he mentions McLaren with Pato and Andretti with Romain. Are my teams and drivers I follow? My best friend also has fallen in love with Formula One. He still lives in San Jose, California, and Formula One is just another avenue that we can continue to bond over now. Even though we are in different states, I love sending him clips from the show. You are all amazing. Oh, oh, thanks. thanks I'm glad man. you're sending clips. Yeah. I hope your friend's listening. I hope he enjoys it. For sure. So here's his questions. Number one, how long does Haas have K-Mag and the Hulk signed for? And what are the chances that we see them both as a pair for another two or three years? That's we'll, a good we'll question. We'll pause there and ask a second question later, because that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, Kevin's deal is still elusive. I don't think they've ever announced his formal deal. What did deal. they say? So when Kevin came back to the sport, I remember them specifically saying that he got a multi-year deal. They just left it at that. But it was just left kind of ambiguous. Oh, so, that's interesting. As far as my research is concerned, Kevin's there for a long haul, mm-hmm. but it, the long haul could have been this year's the end of the contract, but I'd still be surprised if it was only a two-year deal. I see Gunter as really invested in Kevin Magnuson. I think so as well. Which isn't a bad choice. I think Kevin Not is at all. solid. Yeah, Kevin has crushed it for Haas mm-hmm. for a lot of years now. And Gunter probably wants to have a driver he can depend on to build the car with. Totally. And that's I think that's Kevin, Kevin Magnuson all the way. I agree with that so, 100%. I do not think he's going to be leaving anytime soon. What no. about the Hulk? I think Hulkenberg has a two-year deal, mm-hmm. which includes this season, and then that runs right through into the end of next season. End of 2024. Right. Gotcha. Um, And with Hulk being a two-year deal, I mean, in a way, I mean, like we talked about a little bit earlier in the season, something mm-hmm. that was interesting to me was that Drive to Survive kind of opened up this, this door that we had no idea that Nico was an option for more than just Haas. Mm-hmm. Alpine was kind of considering, like, do we bring Nico back? And I mean, he drove for Renault, so that would not have been that far-fetched of an idea right. for Alpine to, to grab him and bring him back into the sport. Mm-hmm. And so I think the two-year deal with Nico is... Awesome for us. Yeah. I'm hoping that we can keep him beyond that. 
Well, he's proving to be a really great That's driver right. right now. I'm saying that the Australian GP was it spoke he volumes. Fits into that car setup. It is so well. Apparently, one with him because I literally am blown away. That mm-hmm. was an unbelievable weekend effort yeah. from him. So you look at some of these other drivers that are new to this t- the teams, whoever they are, Nick DeVries, right. Logan Sargent, uh, Pato. Who the hell drives for McLaren? <laughs> Oh, tra- Oscar. Oscar, there you go. I'm like, man, I was out. I'm not trying. <laughs> it's just a weird name. And the fact that he's Australian. It doesn't sound Australian at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Oscar? It's not like Daniel Ricardo is all that. It's a super Italian name, but it, <laughs> for some reason does work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Friggin' Oscar, dude. So, yeah, you look at some of these other new drivers. They're taking a while to get used to the car. Totally. And Hulkenberg from day one has been solid. Well, and they called him the super sub every time that he would come in and Aston mm-hmm. Martin and drive for a weekend, whether Lance had to miss or Seb uh-huh. during through kind of like the COVID years. And yeah. and so, I mean, he's proving just endlessly that he's just as good as the tier A drivers, yeah. really. Yeah. And uh, I for mean, him to survive some of that carnage. Right. It's like, yeah, good job. Navigated all of it. Yeah. He got rocks blasted at him, and he still managed to get fourth yeah. in that red flag. And then he walked away from his car yeah. like the biggest hero of yeah. any action Just movie. Just a boss. <laughs> yeah, for real. It was almost like, I didn't get the podium. It's like, I'm I'm out. Yeah, I'm... Just, here's the car. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to the bar. <laughs> Just throws the keys at the valet. <laughs> You got it, buddy. Some steward at the side of the road just gets hit in the head with keys. He's like, these have keys? (laughs) Don't scratch it. (laughs) Oh, man. I hope, yeah, and I think two years. I believe it's two years. Two years with both of these drivers at least together. Right. I think it's just going to make this team so strong. Totally. Yeah, that's great. And and they're both, you know, as they adapt the car to both driving styles. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, again, with the experience that they both have, I'm sure mm-hmm. that there's a lot more give and take and there's probably a little bit more struggle with having Mick, who is younger and trying to learn. And there's maybe maybe we need to adapt the car towards Mick because he's the future of the team. Yeah. A lot of that kind of guesswork is things that will be removed with two seasoned veterans. And so mm-hmm. I do think it's a huge advantage to us that we have both of them for at least yeah. two years. It's great. That's cool. Okay. Second question, question. Part two. If you had to sub out one of the three American stops... Yes, including Vegas, even though we haven't raced there yet, and replace them with any other North American track, which are you choosing to swap out and swap in? So F1 ready, if not necessary. Mm. So dream scenario, we can take out any of the American GPs and replace it with any other racetrack in North America. This is a double-edged sword for me, so I'm going to let you go first. I do not know a lot of tracks. (laughs) Um, State-wise, I think I've mentioned before how I feel that all of the Grand Prix are taking place on the southern half of the United States. Like if you draw, draw a line just horizontally across the United States. Right. You have Miami, Austin, and Vegas. Like right. we're all south. Right. It would be really exciting to see a race happening in a northern part. So I'm thinking either like fun mountainy woodland pine trees kind of setting. Vibe, yeah. Or maybe like a Seattle maybe a or Seattle, something. like a fun downtown Seattle city type of vibe. Yeah. I don't but I don't know what tracks exist for that thing. Are there any tracks like that, Mike? Uh, you know, there's they they're strewn about. So if you were to help me with my GP dream <laughs> what tracks is there one in Denver that's uh, like up in the mountains? No. 
Not really. I mean, stuffed Denver. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the mountain country in the United States that does have motorsports is sort of rally. I mean, we have beautiful mountains in Utah. We do. If they, if we could build one through Park City, yeah, down like that would Midway, be fun. Midway, I mean, like some sun, of those Sundance vibes. Oh yeah, Robbie Redford would be there with Paul <laughs> Newman. We'd yeah. roll out his bones and put him in the car. <laughs> but like our racetrack is like in the desert. They right. built it. They're like, let's build it. Away from the beauty. This is the worst. <laughs> this is the worst thing about Utah is that we have this unbelievable scenery, and they plopped yeah. the track in the most unscenic part of yeah. Utah, known as Tooele. But if we had a track in the mountains, I would pick that. So totally. Is there? Just tell me one. No, I mean, as far as as far as my memory can even serve me, I don't feel like there are a lot of racetracks in mm. the northern part of the states, mm. mostly due to just the volatility of the weather in those areas. Mm. But that's kind of what makes the makes it fun. you know the Turkey GP fun I mean, for us and yeah. uh, you know and uh, Austria and some of yeah. these places when it does rain it's like mm-hmm. oh, those are cool events. Spas usually raining yeah in Belgium so but it, maybe like um maybe like in the Virginia mountains those aren't too high in elevation no and there are and racetracks there but they're uh, ovals NASCAR we, ovals well I I'd build a new one yeah totally <laughs> Mike what would you pick well I think for me. Uh, I'd probably remove Vegas. Now... Oh, what? Well, I need to sub yeah, out yeah, one. Yeah, you need to choose one. Miami. You choose that Miami? Yeah, I think the Vegas is going to be sick. Night race down the strip. Interesting. Miami, we've talked about it before. It is a perfect picture of America and that is just like fake and like <laughs> exorbitant. <laughs> it's, it's, and like, it's a happy meal. I remember coming to terms with that. I was just talking about the, America, the Miami Grand Prix. I'm like, oh, like they built a fake bay? Yeah. Like this is gross. I'm like, it's actually very perfect for America. This is a metaphor. I'm mad at how accurate this is yeah. to my culture. Yeah, we made a fake road course, <laughs> a, fra- a fake yeah. street circuit that's not wide enough for racing. It's next to Epcot. It's, yeah. yeah. So it's, that's uh, what I would get rid of. I, the reason that I would pick Vegas is that I'm concerned about the track layout. Now, I might eat my words, but based on what I've seen, it just seems really simple. And I think that F1 circuits that have really swoopy turns, like mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia is an incredible racetrack. Mm-hmm. Albert Park is a really simple racetrack, and I'm kind of, again, I could eat my words because Albert Park was a really epic race. Yeah, I, I just have my concerns around yeah. the Vegas circuit layout. Okay, so you're getting rid of Vegas. So, But for now, I'll save the Vegas circuit. Mm-hmm. But here is what I would substitute it for is one of two places. Road Atlanta, which is one of my favorite racetracks, is, uh, of course, in Atlanta. Oh. Uh, and it is... That's why it's named that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they have a lot of elevation change, so we know that mm. this is something that I love. I like the big rolling hills, and yeah. uh, Road Atlanta has this really cool S's section that goes down a hill. Okay. And then fine. as you come back and up and over it, after your lap is completed, that's where the finish line is. You come over the hill and it's a big right-hander and fine. in a lot of cars you could do it flat out. So fine. really cool racetrack. Um, second to that would be, and, and honestly, what I would consider my number one, I would love Formula One to return to Long Beach. That's cool. That's and a cool idea. Just because IndyCar does it still and it's very cool to see IndyCar in the streets of Long mm. Beach. But it is something that is historically a Formula One race. So as it's been well. there before. Right. That'd be cool. And so I would love to see it go back to the calendar mm. just because I am a Southern California kid and yeah. I would love to see it at home. Shoot, the Long Beach Grand Prix for IndyCar is in April. It's creeping up. Yeah, it's creeping up. We should go. I'd be down. Let's do it. I'd be down. Ooh, let's. <laughs> uh, that was a great question. Yes. Thank you so much for asking that question. So turning the calendar over, checking out what's next. Oh, yeah. A race, the next race is. So far away. So far away. It's like another break. It's like a summer break. Yeah. At the beginning of the season. April 28th to 30th. Worst thing. 
Worst thing ever. The worst thing about April. Look <laughs> whose birthday it is. Oh. Friggin' Oscar's birthday's this week. What? Guess who's not getting a happy birthday from the Haas boys? How new is this calendar? <laughs> it's a, I got this calendar, dude. Yeah, how new though? It's 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 new. It's this year. I mean, this guy was like updating the second that Oscar I was know. announced as a driver. Yeah. He's like, got to put that on the calendar. I know, and we're not happy about it. No, what a dingleberry. So, gosh, well, Oscar Piastri's birthday is this week, but we are not wishing him any sort of birthday. Yeah, wet blanket birthday. Yeah, have fun eating flour for your cake. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'm just like, has he ever even had a Tim Tam? I mean, he's he's it just doesn't seem Australian no, to me. No, no, he might be one of those Tazzies eating uh, Tim Tams with juice, doing the Tim Tam oh, slam with that's juice. Just a, I know a few Tazzies that will do that. Yeah, the breeding with the cousins <laughs> and having Tim Tam slams with juice. Yeah, where, where? Okay, we're gonna find out where Oscar is from. He's from Melbourne. Oh, what a punk! Fifteen minutes from the second. Well, but here's the thing. Here's the he thing. He moved to the UK and went to school there like Daniel did, but he uh, he went to a boarding school and he got really into cricket. And I think that this is where it goes sideways for me. For somebody that's lived in Australia, cricket is the least interesting sport. Australians love it though. I know, I'm being It's I'm, their I'm baseball. Gonna, I'm going to tiptoe a little bit here. Yeah. Because actually I think a, I, I think play. AFL might be worse. But Piastri, <laughs> Piastri's from Melbourne, which means that he definitely likes AFL. Yes. Do you know yes. what I mean? So rugby was Whereas the sport. Danny is watching rugby. Yeah, for sure. He watches rugby. Because he's UFC dirt ball, and all yeah. dirt bikes. Right. Watching rugby. Right. Yeah. He's a normal Aussie. <laughs> but this, like, if you're an Australian listener. Yeah, you're going to hate us. Please write in. <laughs> Please, but I mean, you know, Max and I both lived in Sydney, and the Sydney culture is more surrounded in rugby, and it's, it's true. Uh, less AFL, AFL is very much other states. I mean, look, it's the only sport, and you can investigate this for right? yourself. But it's yeah. the only sport that I know of that you get points for missing the main goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most useless sport ever. Uh, but anyways, that's, that's Oscar. I mean, I think it's, that's who Oscar is. Yeah, it encompasses him very well. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope to get updates from Parker soon. <laughs> we hope he's safe. We'll forward them on to you guys. Um, and we hope you guys follow us, send us in your questions or messages, and then tune in next week. New episodes coming. And more deep dives, more things that will keep your palate yeah. moist as we what roll through Baku? the next couple Baku weeks. Baku is next. Yes, which is, is one of my is? favorites. Yep. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan is next. We got a couple weeks, so we got a couple weeks to learn some cool things and talk about. So we'll be doing that exact. Got a thing. couple interviews lined up with some cool people. Totally. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Stay tuned. Did you know that I barely escaped with my life out there? <laughs> <laughs>